This is Jennifer Polymus from Shalote, North Carolina, and this is Barbecue Central. We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. We originate from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. This is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here. If you want to get in touch with the show this evening, it's a phone call, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show. This is how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening, in case you didn't get the newsletter. It is the first Tuesday of a new month, and you know that means we're going to be taking a visit to the barbecue doctor. Do you have any barbecue and or grilling ills that are causing you pain and consternation and or otherwise? Well, you're in luck because we have a barbecue Hall of Famer, a multiple-time author, a TV show cooking class instructor. TV show cooking class? I don't know about that. A TV show, a guy who's been on TV shows, and a guy who has also done cooking classes. Maybe that's what I meant to say. And he is, of course, none other than the good doctor, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Always enjoy catching up with Ray and seeing what's happening with him. Missed him last month, I believe, so uh, always looking forward to catching up with Ray when it comes to the first Tuesday of the month. And then we will move on to the second interview of the first hour. You see him on this show semi-regularly. Initially, when you found him on this show, he was, and still is, the president and CEO of MMA Creative. At that point, they were the marketing partner for Kansas City Barbecue Society, that was the introduction into the live fire and barbecue type situation. Since that time, he has also created a little something called the World Food Championships, which has really gained steam. If you didn't know, a little later this month, the final table will definitely crown an overall grand champion or overall winner Of the World Food Championships, you recall that, I guess, technically, later this month would be the main event or the final table, but the World Food Championships, the latest edition, took place in November last year, and that's where the new format was also brought about, where they were carrying over the final 10 
instead of getting an overall champion as they had done in years past, they were going to hold over the 10 segment category winners and provide them a final table to go head-to-head at a number of months later. Well, uh, I think the World Food Championships took place middle slash or beginning slash middle of November, and now here we are right in the beginnings of April and April 22nd and or 21st and 22nd, you will find the final table actually taking place. So we'll talk to Mike and get his gauge on what we can look forward to here in a couple weeks, how we can all take a look at it, because there has been talk about how this is going to be carried for the fan of World Food Championships to consume. And then we'll also see if some of those benchmarks of success and getting the names of the final 10 out there in a way that they were hoping to be different as it was in years past has been a success or kind of a success or not nearly as good or whatever. Usually if Mike's coming on, we're not talking about things that didn't go over that well, but maybe they didn't. Mike would be the first guy to sit there and admit that things weren't panning out or maybe they didn't go off as planned this time around, but of course he always has contingency plans working in the background. So we'll catch up with Mike McLeod in the second interview segment from World Food Championships, and then we'll move to the second hour. And I'm going to be talking with a guy who I have been following probably for the better part of seven, eight, nine years. I'm always interested in the people who are interested in and are taking a part in the business of barbecue, whether it's restaurants or selling rubs and sauces or accessories slash accoutrements. Or maybe they have a barbecue and grilling shop where they actually sell barbecues and grills and accoutrements, all that good stuff. You don't really see them around. Uh, They're not as prevalent as you would call a big box store in a lot of the footprints around the country. But typically, every city or greater metropolitan area has one of those stores, but maybe it's not overly close to you. But Sam does a really good job. I'm sorry. So I'll be talking with Sam Hayes from Sam's Northwest Barbecue Company out there in Oregon. And we'll talk to him about his background, why he got into selling barbecues and grills or how the store came to be. Maybe he had no super interest in opening up the brick and mortar store. But I think what sets Sam apart for, at least to me, because I watch him on social media, plus we have a really good live fire retailer out on the west side of Cleveland called uh, Heat Exchange out there in North Ridgeville. It's kind of a hike for me. But I don't see them bringing in tractor trailers full of cookers. Not saying that they don't, because they do have delivery docks and storage and all that stuff, uh, inventory, if you will. But you get on Sam's Northwest Barbecue Company social media page, and you see tractor trailers full of different kinds of cookers coming in. So very anxious to get caught up with or to get to know him, see how he got in the business. And then see what's working, see how the model might have changed here over the last handful of years, and we'll go from there. So that's your lineup for this evening. Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy coming up next. Mike McLeod after that. Sam Hayes in the second hour. Your phone calls and emails welcome, as always, 216-220-0966. Or you can also email the show greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Well, I have to tell you that the reaction 
to one Jason King's booze teen video hit a fevered pitch by midweek last week, especially as the audio podcast was dropped, and I may or may not reference what's happening with the podcast here. If you're a live listener, you don't know any different. No big deal. If you're a podcast listener, you're seeing something change here over the next handful of weeks uh, just as an experiment. So if you've never signed up for the show or that's encouraging you to sign up for the podcast, not only in addition to, or not in place of, but in addition to watching the live show, go ahead and hit the website, hit the subscribe button, and away you go. But a lot of people heard it on the audio, and they're like, went to the video side on Facebook or on YouTube, and I have to say, the Booze Teen video was the most insane thing I've ever seen. The guy in Canada actually went to KFC, bought a tin of gravy, then smoked it at home, then poured a small bottle, entire small bottle of vodka in the gravy, let that steam and thicken up a little bit, poured it over his homemade French fries. By the way, if Jason King is in tonight or not, he's ghost right now. Everybody that referenced Boo's teen video in those emails also happened to mention how great those potato fries or those homemade fries looked. So I don't know if that thing makes the house smell or if it's just a great device altogether. Maybe you never use it. I think having a deep fryer always seems like a great idea, but I've had them before. I've really never used them. So, of course, I'm apprehensive just because I see a great-looking deep fryer and it looks like it's made really good homemade fries for me to go out and cast some money aside to buy something that I probably really won't use. I find myself catching myself a lot doing that, thinking, hey, you know what? I'm actually going to go out and buy that because I'm going to use it a lot. Then I give it a day, then I give it to, and then I really start to internalize it. And I go, you know what? You really will not use that. You think you will, but you will not. Andrew, you are not the <laughs> Andrew, uh, uh, you All are right. Not. In actuality, I won't really use it. So I've stayed away from the deep fryer, even though Jason made it seem so extravagant and sexy. But to a man and woman that weighed in, especially via the audio podcast, all of them said, hey, I have to go watch this video of Booze Teen. So Jason, success to you. Not only was it a great success a week ago as we opened the show with it, but is now living in infamy on the internets in various fashions. Barbecue food for you, the guy that did the Booze Teen video. That's how I'm getting a lot of my email addressed to me. Congratulations. All right, folks, before I get to Ray Lampy, I want to talk to you quickly about Traeger Grills, leading the pellet nation right now. A couple different models to choose from or model lines to choose from. The Pro Series models, those are going to be your entry-level styles. Maybe you've thought about getting into pellet-style cooking or you want the convenience of what a lot of people think is gas, but you don't want to use gas. You want the flavor of real wood. You want the real wood smoke. Pellets are certainly a way to enhance both of those features. All you have to do is head over to TraegerGrills.com. That's TraegerGrills.com and check out exactly what they have. As I just mentioned, the Pro Series is something you're going to want to check out if you're just getting into it. Now, maybe you are a little bit more savvy around the fire. You have those fire management skills already in hand or you have an offset cooker or a charcoal driven cooker. You just want to add something 
for the barbecue and grilling family. Well, the Traeger is a great addition there as well, especially if you want to get up into that higher level of tech and higher level of meat capacity. The Timberline models are going to be the ones you want to take a look at there. The Timberline 850, which is super popular out there on the competition circuit right now. A lot of teams using them. A lot of teams doing very well in the categories and overall. Then you have, of course, the Timberline 1300, which is the granddaddy of them all. Maybe you have a really large family. Maybe you're starting to think of a small catering business and you want that nice pellet convenience. 1300 is probably going to be a little bit more up your alley, but the 850 and the 1300 both come with the same style of tech. All that cloud-based stuff that everybody's clamoring about these days, TraegerGrills.com, the place to go to check those out. And, of course, the 850 and the 1300 have that constant refresh of the sweet blue smoke with that unique drafting and exhaust system that's in the Timberline. Doesn't look like the standard with that chimney stack. It's all exhausted out the back. Check it out online. Timber Tim, Timberline. TraegerGrills.com. That's TraegerGrills.com. And you can see which model might suit your needs the best. Might I suggest picking up one of each line? That way you can have them both compare, contrast, and use in tandem. I got eight or nine smokers and grills and various associated charcoal whatnots out on my patio. They all have a place. Don't let people tell you you just need one. Poppycock. The more, the better. The more, the more options you have. You have more options with Traeger right now with the Pro-Line and the Timberline. We're back with Ray Lampy right after this. Stick around. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. And this portion of the show is brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, grilling oils, All of Butcher's barbecue products have been tested on the competition circuit as well as in the backyards worldwide. They were just winning in my backyard this past weekend. The weekend before that, they were winning on the competition scene with Dave himself. That's the thing. Dave just doesn't come up with great products. Dave uses his great products, and they win. Visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up right now. That's ButcherBBQ.com. If you got questions about barbecue or grilling, maybe as a hobby or even a business, looking to get an expert's point of view, why not ask Dr. Barbecue? You can submit your questions by clicking on the Ask Dr. Barbecue tab on the website. The doctor is in. Here's Ray Lampy with his nurse, Greg Rempe. Dr. Barbecue. That's right. Ray Lampy joining us here on the show. Let me punch him up here. Ray, how are you, buddy? I'm pretty good. How about you? So, have you are you on the phone this time again, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I so all of a sudden I lost my audio. I can't figure out what's happening. My lord, we're having the worst time recently with this. We're gonna have to start going back to the the old days and do it the phone and picture almost. I know, and you can't even. Can you see my? I'm wearing my Rock and Roll Hall of Fame shirt in your honor, and I oh, can't even see it. Thank you. Uh, is, are the inductions coming up shortly? 
I don't know. I just was on the top of the T-shirt pile. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I appreciate the. Uh, it would be better if it said Barbecue Hall or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City and Barbecue Capital of the North Coast. That's the tagline. <laughs> Cleveland, yeah, Ohio. Yeah, I, I I would imagine. I'm not going to ask you to to get up and prove that. I'll take your word for it. Uh, Ray Lampy joining me here on the show, drbbq.com, his website if you want to check it out here while we're talking. Um, Ray, last time that I had you on, I believe we missed a month last month, but we were talking a little bit about the Super Bowl. That had just passed. It's amazing. You come back, we've had another major sporting event transpire overnight, uh, NCAA Basketball Championship. Are you a guy that's into the NCAA tournament or college basketball in general or not so much? Uh, not so much. I, I you know, if I happen to be one of my teams happens to be in it, I might get excited about it. But in general, I'm not much of a basketball fan. However, Villanova is the name of my favorite pizza joint in Chicago. That's why I've been ranting about Villanova. Were you not overly excited that um, Loyola was in the tournament? That's a Chicago team, right? Yeah, I was excited about that. I mean, I haven't been following it, so I didn't know who was who, but um, but yeah, you know, I would have been rooted for them if we got down to it. Sure. And these days I'm a Florida Gator fan and, you know, so if it's one of my teams, but in general, I'm not, you know, basketball, I was, you know, it's kind of weird. I was around in Chicago for during the whole Michael Jordan run. Oh, Ray's right, gone. He's gone. Oh wait, there he is. <laughs> I, uh, I was around during the whole Michael Jordan run in Chicago and, it's just hard to care about basketball after that. I got to be honest. I mean, they were just so dominant, you know, six championships in eight years and really did two years in between. Michael had retired. Um, it's hard to get, care about basketball after seeing that. Ray, have you ever worked NCAA tournaments from a tailgate perspective or a, you know, a hired gun, if you will, to cook food and stuff? I don't think so. No, not, not, not basketball. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't know. Do they tailgate for basketball? That doesn't seem like a thing. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're in San Antonio, the weather's typically good. There's a lot of parking lot area, I would imagine. I mean, Texas is a barbecue capital, as we both know. Texas rising above everything else recently over the last handful of years. So I would imagine there's tailgate there, right? Actually, you know, it's funny you say that. We shot a TV show years ago in Houston, um, that one version of Pitmasters where Myron like took on the world, <laughs> didn't yeah. win all the time, yeah. so they didn't really like that. Uh, and me and Chris Lilly and Mike Lake, I think, were the judges. And that was in uh, we shot that outside the Houston, uh, whatever whatever they call it, that arena there. And it actually was for the Final Four. Now that you mentioned that, so I guess technically I have been involved. All right. Well, if you're interested next year, NCAA people get a hold of Ray. As long as it's in somewhere <laughs> tropical, if it's up here in Cleveland, obviously it's probably not a great idea. But you never know what weather you're going to get here in Cleveland at this time of the year. So uh, let's yeah. go ahead and start with the obligatory Dr. Barbecue restaurant update. Where uh, we're, yes. we're 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 probably hours away from a grand opening at this point, right? Well, not hours, but at least it's going to be this year. Um, right now, we have our eye on uh, June, end of June right now. And it's getting, as we get closer, it finally is getting realistic. Uh, yeah, man, this has been an adventure. I mean, everything that can go wrong from a time point of view has. Uh, I, I guess that's just what you expect with these projects. But literally, we were talking about it today. I think we've been talking about it for two years now. Yeah. Um, but we finally are. Yeah. I So I was on TV today and I said summer of 2018 for sure. So somewhere within that time frame. When you get to this point, 
when you have the space, you're going through and kind of making it whatever Dr. Barbecue's restaurant is going to be, how quickly does it come together once you're at kind of cutting through all the red tape and jumping over all the hurdles? You can see it come together on a daily basis almost? No, at this point, it's still dragging. Oh, no. In my mind, anyway, it's not. Stuff's happening. Things are moving. Um, The build, it's a huge build-out. It's a 9,000-square-foot restaurant when it's all said and done, which is a giant restaurant, and it was a gutted building. And it's really going to be nice. It's not a – it's a pretty fancy place uh, by barbecue joint standards. So it's just a big damn project. just takes forever, man. So, no, we're not – I'm not feeling that way yet. It will probably soon, and before you know it, it'll be like, you know, the rush to the finish, but – but no, I, I wish I could say it was. Maybe we've talked okay. about. Maybe, I'm it's sorry. Maybe, maybe we've talked about this before, Ray. But is this going to be a sit-down restaurant type place, or will you go to a cutting stand like you find in a lot of these other, I guess, what they term fast casual places, where you put your order, they cut in front of you, and then you can go sit from there? No, it's going to be a sit-down restaurant. We we really we went to a lot of restaurants, and we really spent a lot of time trying to think about that. But we want to have a nice restaurant, a really nice restaurant that serves really good barbecue. So we couldn't figure out a way that you would sit down, have a cocktail, get an appetizer, have your meal, maybe have dessert, maybe have another cocktail. Maybe you want to sit at the bar and watch the game. That was more what we liked to have. And I don't know that we're going to have a lot of TVs, but we, we didn't want to give all that up just to sell piles of meat. But what's going to happen is when you walk in, you are going to see the line. You're going to see the giant oiler smoker right there. Right next to it is a big green egg. Next to it is a oiler uh, wood-fired grill with a rotisserie over the top. Hidden back is a old hickory because we just didn't have room for it up front. And then you'll see the line, and there's going to be somebody up there cutting meat. So you're going to get kind of that feel, but you're going to sit down and have a server, and she's going to bring you. We're going to have a world-class bourbon selection. Um, and who knows what else in the in behind the bar, and um, you're going to sit down and get served by a nice uh, you know server. You're going to get to have a couple of drinks. You know, one of the things is you know you go in this to make money, and and every other every lineup barbecue restaurant I've ever gone to, and God, I've been to a lot of them. You have one beer, and if you didn't buy dessert on your first line through, you probably don't have dessert. And and I just we wanted to make it a full experience. I'm. I've been to a handful of new barbecue restaurants opening. I was actually just at one this past Friday. Uh, Again, it's kind of a a run up to a a counter, and they didn't even have the meat being cut in front of you, so I don't even know what the hell was going on in the back, but I assume something barbecue-related was going on in the back. (laughs) How extensive? Go ahead. We want to to have both. and I'm I'm with you on that. I went to Michael Simon's restaurant with you, and... While it's a pretty cool restaurant, I yeah. would have liked to have seen somebody dealing with the, the meat. So we wanted that, but we also wanted you to see some of the meat. And I think we figured out a way to lay that out. Because, you know, if you remember Michael Simon's place and, and a lot of these new restaurants, it's pretty enjoyable. You know, yeah. it doesn't mean they don't have good barbecue just because they have a server and, and you can get a fancy cocktail. Yep, that's right. How important or how much of a impress are you making on the wait staff for them to know inevitably you're going to get some a-hole like me that's going to sit down and go, what kind of a smoker do you have and what kind of wood do you use and give me the method. Do you try and train them or coach them up to be dangerous to a certain degree? Do you not even bother with it? What's the thought there? Yeah, absolutely. You have to, man. You have to or have somebody on the floor 
like me that's ready to get right over to that table and talk barbecue with these people. Because one of the things that you know, when everybody knows this, when you go to a barbecue restaurant, if you go sniffing around a little bit and asking, they're going to show you the barbecue pit. They're going to take you in the back. They're going to show you some of what they're doing. They're not showing you everything, but it's part of the experience of going to a barbecue restaurant. So we've got to be prepared for that. Uh, absolutely. It's going to be, you know, that's going to be a big part of my job is keeping the the staff up to speed on that. Because, uh, you know, they're young kids. They're, they're, they may or may not be into barbecue, but they need to be able to answer those questions or find somebody who does. Because we know uh, one of the things the, the, the partners are learning is barbecue people are different, man. They're, they are into it. They want to go in the back and see your smoker. They want to talk to you about meat. They want to talk to you about how you're cooking it. And if, they, if you don't know what you're talking about, they get mad at you and you're going to look like a fool. And, and frankly, you know, I tell all the big green egg dealers, you want to be that known as an egg friendly dealer. You don't want to be a guy that just has them on the floor. You want to be a guy that's into it because when they come in the door, they're the same as these barbecue freaks. They want to talk about it. They're into it. But, but heck, that's, you know, we're, we're placing my name on the door. <laughs> How could you walk in the door and not think we're into barbecue? So, yeah, it's going to be important. This is probably a question I, I never would have asked two years ago when we started this slow race to the finish here, but what about sourcing of meat? Like, do you have a, a lot of say in that? Do you have the ultimate say in that? Is that a group effort between you and ownership and a pit master? Where does that line kind of drop? Um, yeah, all of the above. We, we've, we've, you know, we started and stopped so many times on this. We've talked to a lot of meat products. We've got to have something I'm proud of. Uh, if that means that we think just buying commodity meat is fine, then that's the case. If we think we need to buy prime briskets, that's fine, too. Whatever we need to, you know, we need to decide what is going to be the best for our situation. Now, you know, you got to take price into account. It's yeah. business. Yeah. So whether we can justify prime beef, I don't know. Uh it, we will, what we're going to do, until, you know, unfortunately, we can't do too much until we've got the oiler fired up, and that probably won't be for another month. And once we do that, we're going to sit down and get, you know, all the choices that we've talked to over the couple of years. We've, we've got a lot of options, and we're going to cook the stuff right next to each other. We're going to sit there at the table and eat it with the price sheets on the table and decide what, you know, how, where's the line? What's the one that uh, the, really we like? that we can justify the price because I, I have a hard time understanding how some of these guys can sell prime brisket. It's expensive, yep. uh, but you know, and you can only charge so much for it, but if we have to, we have to, you know, that, that's the one you might have to bite the bullet on, but there's also some really great pork out there too. Uh, you know, that's not just your run of the mill pork. So it's not just the beef. Uh, we're, we're not decided yet, but we are got our eye on everything. You know, I mean, that's kind of what I do. I, I'm I I'm familiar. Most of these people, I have their phone number, you know, so the, I'll call them all and we'll get some samples in and we'll try it. Um, it's a big decision, though. It really is because it's hard to go. It's hard to go up. You know, I think if we chose to just use choice beef, it would nobody's going to care later if we add if we go to prime. Of course, I guess it's hard to go down, too. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough decision. We're, we're going to have to evaluate everything. You know, at the end of the day, yes, the quality of the food on the plate is the most important thing. But if you can't price it so that someone will bother to buy it, 
you know, if you've got a $25 brisket sandwich, nobody's going to buy it <laughs> from there. So um, we got to find that happy place. But I, we will. Dr. Barbecue joining me here on the show, Ray Lampy. Ray, last week I had my embedded correspondence segment, and my Texas correspondent, who you know, Doug Shiding, uh, brought up a interesting topping that we all a topping that we okay. Let's try it again. Topic, not topping. I got ice cream on the brain. Brought up an interesting topic that we all battered around last week, and he kind of listed out some of his non-barbecue crushes. For example, well, I mean, he could fall under barbecue, Bobby Flay, or an Alton Brown, or. You know, you name it, uh, a lot of Food Network or a lot of Cooking Network show type people that aren't necessarily barbecue related. And I was wondering, it was kind of an interesting uh, segment. Everybody had a different, nobody knew the guys that I said. You know, I was talking about um, the Frugal Gourmet and Martin yeah. Yan, Yan Can Cook, and Justin Wilson, you know, the the guy from Louisiana. But it, all the, the other guys had no idea who they were, and I was totally surprised. So then I was thinking of some items to talk with you about tonight. And I was wondering who makes the Dr. Barbecue list on non-barbecue crushes? Well, those three guys you mentioned it came to mind when you threw this question out to me this afternoon, because that was the Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon yeah. uh, uh, PBS lineup. Yep. And I learned tons about cooking from the frugal gourmet. I mean, you know, it ended badly. Turned out he, <laughs> as all the jokes about how, you know, his assistant Craig, um, <laughs> Turned out to be true. We didn't know that, but but I learned a lot about cooking from that dude. I got to be honest. That was the first guy I ever saw regularly on TV that was explaining it and cooking things in a way that I knew how to cook. And frankly, I'll tell you, the first trophy I ever won at a barbecue contest, and I've showed you the trophy before, 1991. I saw Frugal Gourmet was making a turkey in his oven, and he injected it with a 50/50 mix of melted butter and sherry. And I always, I did that, and I cooked it on the grill, and it was really good. And that was what I turned in at my first ever barbecue contest. Recipes in one of my books, and uh, it was a frugal gourmet recipe that I converted for the grill. So I, yeah, I was a huge fan of that guy. I mean, like I said, now that we know he was doing some weird <laughs> stuff, I, you know, I can't support him too much. Of course, but Martin Yan, of course. I mean, it wasn't my kind of food, but but he was really interesting how he did it. And, and Justin Wilson, I mean, that guy. He cooked stuff that you wanted to eat. You know, I don't know that I ever cooked anything of his either, but but I learned a lot about them guys. But then I think about the beginning of the Food Network. Um, I don't know if you were watching it. I certainly was. Um, David Rosengarten, who's a cookbook author and, and was a big deal on the Food Network, he did a show called Taste, and he talked to you. He showed you how to cook like a, a real dish, something that you might want to eat every day. And you know who else? Sarah Moulton. And Sarah Moulton is also adorable. Have you ever met her? She's about four feet tall, and she's as cute as could be. Um, to me, those people were a huge influence on me. Um, to me, the one when, when it started to turn to even Bobby Flay and Emeril, I, I, they started to lose my attention. I'm still a big fan of the whole thing, but that's not where I learned how to cook. You know, to me, those early people that were really cooking um, had a huge influence on me. Uh, the other guy that I didn't remember last week, did you like Michael Chiarello at all, or did you find him kind of meh? I don't know that that was on here or wherever I was in Chicago. I don't remember that seeing him. I know who he is, but I don't remember seeing him doing a show on PBS back then. You know, Not everybody got the exact same lineup. Uh, Ray, let's do some Facebook questions here real quick before we run out of time. Uh, first one from Mitchell Bed- Bedwell. Asking if you're looking at any new ink. You in the tattoos still? 
Uh, well, the last one I got was about 20 years ago. My wristwatch had to. Sandy, Sandy said something about that. She goes, that's a weird question. I said, well, I do have a pretty famous tattoo on yeah. my arm, actually. And I got a couple of other ones that I got back in the 70s. Uh, I actually am thinking about getting something. Funny you asked about something to sort of commemorate the launch of the restaurant. Uh, I thought about getting a slab of ribs, like on the inside of my arm. But but you ever see a slab of ribs that didn't look like a pile of doo-doo? Or, yeah, right. Or uncircumcised wiener. I mean, it just... <laughs> can't imagine that it could ever make it look good. So then I decided I didn't want that. And I was thinking about getting some Chinese lettering that said pork fried rice. And I might actually get, get that. doesn't really have any symbolism for the restaurant, but I think it's kind of funny. Or I might just get the damn restaurant logo on my arm. I, I don't know. I, so I might actually. Uh, there's a, you know, tattoo parlors all around. It's kind of funny. I got two tattoos in like 1975, <laughs> another one in 1999, and maybe I'll get another one in 2018. Uh, Ray, last question here from Jacob Virus asking about texture of brisket. What's the perfect texture of brisket? How to hit the knife test every time? Yeah, I saw that question and uh, the similar question about ribs. And, you know, I'm just honestly, I'm out of the loop on the on what's competition worthy. I know what I like in a brisket. I'd want it to be. You know, we used to the pull test was kind of appropriate. I don't know what even know what the knife test is. Honestly, I see guys doing the thing where they hang it over their finger now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I always used to joke, and I, it stands. Uh, I, I stick it in my brisket testing hole, and I, I chew it and see what I think about it. So um, I don't know. You know, I say this a lot. Guys want to turn these things into a science project. I don't know. When someone slices some brisket off, and I put it in my mouth, and it, it's, it got nice and tender, and it's juicy— I don't really care if the slice would have laid nicely over your finger or, or pulled right. If it tastes good and it's juicy and tender, I'm good with it. So I don't know. It, it's a cooking brisket. I always tell guys that you got to cook 20 of them and then call me. And we'll start talking about it because it's just a lifelong job to learn how to properly cook a brisket. Um, now, you know, the stuff we inject them with and, and all the magic cookers and is all pretty useful and, and it served the uh, butcher paper is one of those things that it irks me that I didn't think of that first because it's such a great idea of a way to cook a brisket. But as far as getting it perfect, nah, man, you just got to learn. It's something you learn that that feel when you look at it and touch it and smell it, you know it's done. That's why he's the doctor, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, the website drbbq.com. And you find him on this show the first Tuesday of every month. Ray, always appreciate the time. Thanks for doing it. All right, Greg, we'll talk to you soon. There he is, Ray Lampy. Dr. Barbecue. All guests appear via the Traeger Grills hotline. Mm-mm-mm. Yummy. Yeah, so learn how to cook that brisket first. If I get what he's saying. So he said cook 20, then let's talk barbecue. Good advice. Hey, Right now, head on over to BigPapaSmokers.com and pick up everything that you need for your barbecue pit in the back, right? Big Papa Smokers, the one, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. A curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Big Papa's known for the championship rubs and seasonings. Popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit. And in the backyard, Big Papa Smokers offers 13 
perfectly balanced flavors. Flavors. It will transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Whether you're cooking to impress the judges or grilling for your family, Big Papa Smokers award-winning rubs and seasonings don't disappoint. Try a bottle today at BigPapaSmokers.com. If you're looking to improve the flavor of your competition barbecue recipes, Big Papa Smokers combined forces with Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form the West Coast offense. And you know what that is, right? They're basically forcing everybody to redefine the flavor profiles that competitive crooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They also are the proud owners of the Granny's Barbecue Sauce. Looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everyone? Granny's traditional yet powerful flavor reminds us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. You can find Granny's Barbecue Sauce on the top-rated barbecue sauces at BigPapaSmokers.com. And for aside from all of that, they have a really great selection of pellet, charcoal, and wood cookers. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out the Mac 2 Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offers special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? Fine. How about a Old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer? If you're a backyarder looking for a durable and versatile grill that will last forever, the M Grill from Texas is just what you need. They're built like tanks. I've seen them in person. I can vouch for that, by the way. It's clear that Big Papa Smokers is the place to go for all things barbecue. Every product featured on their website has been hand-selected to help you barbecue better. Boost your barbecue skills with the help of Big Papa Smokers, the number one online barbecue store. You can call them toll-free at 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. Mike McLeod coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James of Barbecue Talk, Craig Rampey. In this portion of the show, brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of the pellet-driven cookers on God's green earth. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also buy from Amazon.com. That's right. Speaking of sauce, have you been imbibing in copious adult libations from John Dawson? No, I have not. Not since, uh, how long has it been? The day before Labor Day was the last adult libation I ever had. <laughs> I've ever had, so... My mouth is tricking me tonight, but no adult libations. All right, my next guest, the president and CEO of MMA Creative, also the creator of the World Food Championships, here to talk about the upcoming final table later this month, as well as some other WFC items. Let's go ahead and race back to the Traeger Grills hotline. And welcome back, friend of the show, Mike McLeod. Mike, how are you, buddy? Hey, Greg, how are you doing? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Mike. Appreciate you making time, as always, here. And, um, you know, we have... Just a handful, not even a few weeks left before the WFC ends up announcing a grand champ or a, a, uh, a top one of the remaining top 10 here. Now, let's talk about some things that have transpired here over the last uh, handful of weeks and months. You know, just over a week ago, 
WFC announces an MC for the final table events. For those who don't know, it's someone within the industry we know very well, a guest and a friend of this show fairly frequently, Michael McDiarmid. You know, it seems like an obvious choice from my standpoint, Mike, but what are some of the key factors for McD getting the nod here, and were there others on the short list? We had three or four people we were looking at, but uh, Michael's been a, a great um, advocate of everything that we're working on in the food sport arena, and uh, he does a great job with um, entertaining the crowd, and he's got a great uh, background knowledge, as you well know, in uh, all things food, not just barbecue. So uh, it, we, we were sitting down and just talking, and, and we asked him if he would be interested and available to, to participate, and he was. So we were we were very happy to to bring him into the mix. I think he'll do a great job of navigating our live stream audience through the competition, even though, though they're not there, and uh, entertaining uh, our, our um, uh, core audience that is there. So uh, very, very happy about that. So McDearman looked to see if the Sam schedule is up. He's like, wait, I'm free. I can do <laughs> Cheap shot, I know. I'm just kidding. What about a skinny, balding, quick-witted, silver-tongued man known to host a weekly talk show about barbecue and grilling? Has the potential to offend well, people within seconds. I mean, what are we talking about here, Mike? Come on. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to interfere with your basketball schedule. I know you're, you guys are, <laughs> are pretty big on basketball up there, so I, I didn't want to mess with that. Well, I know I, the Browns may be doing spring oh, uh, practice, too, so I, just, I didn't want to. You know, provide too many conflicts. I, d- I don't want to diverge at all here, but let's go ahead and make this very quick left-hand turn. I mean, are you a, a pro football <laughs> follower at all? Somewhat. I'm, I'm a big Titans fan. Uh, not so much that I live and die by it. Uh, you know, the, the good thing about having been through two de- decades of really tough uh, University of Tennessee football is that um, <laughs> you learn to get your kicks and your satisfaction in other things in life, and and you don't live and die by uh, what happens on the field. So um, I, I like following the Titans. I'm a big Predators fan. I hope they take uh, take the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, and I'm a University of Tennessee football. But uh, I watched the Final Four last night. I thought that was uh, a, an interesting game for a while. And um, in all things sports, I'm, I'm always uh, very interested trying to learn different angles, different things uh, from these different uh, leagues because we, you know, we're trying to build out a league of our own, the, the food sport league. So. Uh, from that standpoint, um, I try to follow a little bit of everything. Mike, let's quickly review the EAT methodology of scoring. Give us a kind of an overview and, and how it's evaluated. Uh, so EAT's pretty simple, uh, and we want it to be that way. We we branded it in a manner that was very memorable. Uh, it stands for Execution, Appearance, and Taste. Uh, there are numerous uh, sanctioning bodies out there that look at creativity and uh, tenderness and things of that nature. Uh, we felt like uh, when, when we started the World Food Championships, we had to come up with a way uh, to judge across categories. Um, we knew barbecue pretty well, and uh, we knew what made a good burger, what made good chili, because we did some work with the chili arena. Uh, but how do you compare them against one another? So we, we believed that execution uh, was the area where we needed to focus on, and it just led us to the um, – uh, the execution being a, a 35% uh, scoring rate, a appearance was 15, and then the balance was 50% on taste. Obviously, we want our food to taste great. So um, that's that's the overview of, of the EAT methodology. Who are the judges for the final table? We have a phenomenal um, final table 
uh, slate of judges. We have uh, Miss Katie Dixon, a MasterChef uh, series uh, TV star, uh, and and Southern Belle. She's just uh, um, uh, just as Southern as they come and as good as gold. Uh, Mark Massey, who is a venture capitalist, uh, he looks at um, uh, the entire food space and tries to take companies of, of certain revenue streams up to the next revenue stream for acquisition. Uh, so that's important to a lot of our, our sponsors. Um, we have Sean Baldwin, who is um, uh, Walmart's uh, uh, global uh, merchandising manager and, and uh, food extraordinaire. He's been involved in uh, about uh, three or four different key areas at, at Sam's Club and then Walmart. I've known him for about eight years now. Super, super guy. And uh, we've got Mo Kaysan, uh to represent barbecue. As you probably have noticed over the years, we, we try to always have a, um, a, a pretty notable barbecue celebrity on our final table just to make sure that uh, the, the barbecue aspect of, of the division is done well and done right. Uh, so Mo will be joining us. Excited about that. And then uh, last but not least, we've got uh, Mr. Bo Jackson, uh, two-sport uh, all-star uh, from Auburn, uh, who played uh, in the pro uh, baseball league and um, and football. So uh, very excited about uh, uh, hooking up with Bo. He's going to be a sponsor of our burger category this year and hold a special uh, VIP party for the burger contestants. So um, great, great panel. We are uh, just delighted uh, for each one of them uh, and uh, with each one of them for, for the different perspectives that they bring to the table. So are the judges going through, like right now and leading up to, are they going through extensive like eat methodology training and testing and all this stuff to make sure that all of their palates are really on point for these final 10? Yeah, we're going to drop a cone of silence on them for about three days and, and make them learn intensely. Um they're going to get a, a good primer, and then they're going to get on-site. They're going to get certified uh, by us uh, before we go into the final table. Most of them have very, very um, experienced palates, very good palates, and uh, uh, the e-methodology really is is a matter of learning how to uh, apply uh, the right score at the right time based on uh, execution, appearance, and taste. So. Uh, there, there's not a huge science uh, um, or magic behind it. They'll they'll pick it up quickly. All our final table judges have been able to adapt to it. That's why we we pick uh, uh, very notable and, and very experienced um, food professionals from from some walk of life to be a part of the final table. Is Bo Jackson a food professional? Well, yeah, he, he's actually got a because um, he makes burgers. He's got a line of food. <laughs> Do I? Because he makes burgers. <laughs> Say it again. Well, he um, no, he's got three or four lines of um, of uh, food uh, in the food service business. Uh, he he's not, believe it or not, he's big, not a big flashy guy, uh, mm-hmm. he, but he's got a multi million dollar uh, line of of uh, seafood and wow. and sliders and burgers and um, uh, steaks that he uh, that he works through uh, the Cisco channels and and many other channels. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's surprisingly very well versed in in food. Nice, uh, Mike McLeod joining me here on the show. World Food Championships, uh, beginning of last month, Mike, there was an announcement made on your website about a partnership with Dick Clark Productions. What's happening with that? What can we expect out of it? One of the uh, the great uh, developments this year, uh, partnering not only with 
the largest retailer in the world uh, for 2018 and, and beyond, but um, partnering with the world's largest event, live TV event producer, uh, something we've been working on for about uh, about eight months. Um, but what you can expect is is um, a whole new perspective and a whole new level of strength um, brought to th- this whole concept of food sport. They're they're looking at the World Food Championships from all aspects, and they're looking at uh, taking it to primetime TV, mm. uh, not just a, a cable channel. So uh, they're coming into the final table to capture uh, content and uh, see who the winner is because. Uh, that will be important B-roll uh, or possible um, lead-up um, TV stuff to what we'll be doing in November at the main event. Like, I don't know if you're able to talk on this specifically at this point just because everything hasn't transpired yet, but when we had talked about, was it, well, it was basically me saying, is this a bad idea when you were talking about extending out the final table until a couple weeks from now, and I said, you know, what's the mindset there? Why would you want to do that instead of, ending it all at the end of the traditional World Food Championships. And part of that idea was to market those top 10 and to put them in media positions to get them more well-known. Has that panned out for you? Have you gotten them the recognition and the FaceTime that you thought you were going to be able to? Uh, we've gotten them uh, much more visibility than we ever have before for any of our champions. Um, because in the past, we've always tried to do it in a post-event scenario okay. and and stories die quickly, as you know, uh, there's a topic of the week, if not topic of the day uh, in the media. So um, uh, until we can find a, a, a Trump angle to the world food championship, Let's not, by the way. You know, we, we've got, <laughs> we've got to make sure that we uh, live up to um, the billing of, of anticipation going into the final table. And I think we've done that pretty well. You'll see a lot more of that in the next uh, couple of weeks, every key market, uh, that these champions are from are going to be um, fed uh, video, live video, and then also recorded video for their local broadcast. So that's going to be brand new. Um, and then, secondly, the the stri- strategic move for for World Food Championships and for food sport was just massive to be able to do this uh, with Walmart and Bentonville has opened up so many doors that we could not have opened, Greg. I'll I'll give you a quick example. The people on our VIP list that are coming, and they're not coming just to be eating or entertained. They're coming to look at food sport and how they can get involved. Mm -hmm. We're talking about companies like Nestle. We're talking about um, Campbell's Soup. We're we're talking about the uh, the Diageos of Mm -hmm. the world, the, the Crafts, the biggest companies in the world who can really move the needle are are basically saying, okay, so Walmart's getting behind this. There must be something to it. Uh, how do we play a role? How do we get involved? And um, we're basically opening the doors to them and say, come come look for yourself and uh, let's let's talk about it. So the final table is going to be probably the biggest. Um, at first, it, a lot of people thought it was a gamble, but uh, it's going to be the biggest strategic move that that we've ever made. Obviously, you're still now, well, we're into the new year. Uh, first quarter's already done, moving into the second quarter, and we're leading up to the 2018 version of World Food Championships. Anything new that's been released that you can tell us about? You know, we've been very um, kind of quiet on, on 2018 because we don't want to steal any thunder from uh, the final table. And, and uh, we do have some great developments that are occurring and, and we're working on right now. As soon as we turn the corner uh, on the final table in May, we will start releasing 
uh, a lot of the new and exciting lineup of um, challenges and and um, uh, the, the, the infusions, the ingredients, the sponsors, uh, the challenges are going to be there for the for the competitors. So I I, I don't want to steal that thunder right now. I want to keep our our focus um, on the final table, but uh, we have probably the the best um, event planned right now. We're so far ahead of curve. Uh, we're very focused. We're we're very um, buttressed by uh, not only the Walmart, Dick Clark Productions, uh, the world, but a lot of other companies that we'll be announcing in the next 60 days. So, um, just bigger, better, hopefully smarter and and um, more efficient in the way we deliver it. Uh, we're going to move a lot of things indoors this year. We're going to do awards programs indoors instead of outdoors. I'm tired of flirting with the flu every year. <laughs> um, we're we're going to um, that way people can I, I think enjoy it and we can we can plus it up from a TV um, production angle too. But uh, we're going to have a big barbecue block party this year uh, for the first time, and uh, we're going to have People's Choice chili. Um, this time we're bringing that back. The last time we did that I think was in in Vegas. Uh, so we, we've got a lot of fun stuff coming and, and a lot of great companies uh, jumping on board. So just stay tuned. I'd be happy to come back and, and share more with you on that uh, after the final table. Absolutely. So you're not hosting and you're not judging, which means you're going to be able to tell me who you think has the best shot at winning the final <laughs> table here, April 21st and 22nd. Who do you think? Oh, uh it wouldn't be like you if you didn't put me on the spot, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I don't. I don't. This is going to be an inter- interesting one. I um, I kind of like uh, the chances of, of sandwich and burger uh, and chili again. Um, I, you know, Liz Kratz is is the only repeating champion who came who made it through the main event mm-hmm. and made it back into it this year. So, and her chili just lost by one point last year from the final. Um, so I know she's going to be a, a, a strong contender. But here's the the curveball is is this: um, they're not cooking on on equipment that they've probably seen before, unless they are a chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing this in a in a professional culinary center. It's uh, called Brightwater, and um, this is top of the line equipment. And most of it is custom. So they're going to have a day to get oriented to that and. Um, and we'll see. You know, we this year I think we have four, maybe five home cooks who are in the mix. Um, you know, how do the home cooks deal with industrial strength um, um, uh, products and um, appliances? I, I don't know. There, there, there could be. Um, you know, when you go into a championship, it's all about preparation, right? It's all about game planning, and yep. and then do you have momentum? Um, there's probably, there's probably more pressure on there on their um, uh, preparation now because they, they're they cooking in a place they've never cooked. And it's not even like at the final table in, in the years past where they were able to use the equipment that we used in the main event. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a curveball. And I don't, I think that might favor the chefs. You know, you got AC and Craig and, um, and Tommy who, who have, um, who really worked with professional equipment before uh, and the others may or may not, they may practice some, but, but that's that's probably the biggest curveball, that, and I don't know. I really don't know. Every year I've been surprised. Uh, you know, I've, I've been able to watch the scores, and I'll watch the scores, even though McDee is going to be uh, emceeing. I'll probably be closer to uh, looking at the tabulations 
uh, and just making sure from a quality um, standpoint that everything's going smooth. Uh, but I remember when I saw the scores for seafood last year uh, prior to um, uh, Kerry Luke's steak scores coming in. I, mm. I just looked at my brother, who's the tabulator and has to uh, do the computations, and I just I winked at him. And, and the reason I winked at him was I, I thought that was the winner. And um, it wasn't. You know, Kerry <laughs> Luke uh, brought it home. So it's it'll be entertaining and it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top you know we have yet to have a repeat winner too so who knows um uh, barbecue might make a comeback or uh sandwich like i said might make a comeback but uh, we'll see yeah of course i'm gonna homer and go right for fred robles no doubt about it barbecue guy he'll win take it to the bank <laughs> he's talented he is extremely talented man i tell you um and and uh his his victory through our first uh dual duel at um at WFC will will go down as a as a big one. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't count out Fred. I'm not counting out any of them, but I, I certainly wouldn't count out Fred. And and by the way, he's he's going to be the only uh, one I think who who gets to um, he has to cook outside if he's going to use a pit. And, but he will still have access to the same kitchen uh, equipment that the mm-hmm. others have once he brings his stuff inside to prep. So. Um, uh, who knows? That might be a little bit of an advantage for him if he brings his own pit. If he if he doesn't do that and uses, there is a pit maker. I don't know if you remember the pit maker guys, but they uh, were our 2012 or 2013 barbecue champions. Oh yeah. Uh, they actually a year or two ago sold a pit uh, to Brightwater. Hmm. So um, Fred will have a chance to use um, uh, the pit maker pit there on site, uh, or he can bring his own. So we'll we'll find out. It's going to happen April 21st and 22nd, Bentonville, Arkansas, and Brightwater. This is Mike McLeod, World Food Championships. Mike, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing it. Same here, Greg. Thank you very much. You got it. There he is. Mike McLeod, World Food Championships. Here they come. guests appear via the Traeger Grills Hotline. World Food Championships. Here we go. Yummy. Check out worldfoodchampionships.com and make sure you get the live feed, right? You know I was going to ask him who he thinks. If you're telling me you're not on the judging table and you're not emceeing, you know I'm going to ask you who's going to win, right? Of course he can't choose anybody, but I'm going to ask. Let me make sure that I got this stopped here. Okay, I got that stopped. All right, hey. Attention anybody who loves sausage and barbecue. I have something to talk to you about. A little company called Southside Market and Barbecue, established in 1882. Southside, the oldest barbecue joint in Texas, and has been owned by the same family for three generations. What? Famous for the original beef sausage. It's a coarse ground. It's in a natural pork casing. They're also known for their authentic Central Texas barbecue. All meats, including the prime briskets, are slow-smoked for many hours over real Texas post-oak wood. That's the true wood of barbecue down in Texas. The ship nationwide via the online store, southsidemarket.com. Take that down, by the way, southsidemarket.com. The ship fresh and smoked sausage nationwide. Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later. Include a custom gift note. Put multiple addresses to ship to without additional charges. How about that? All items shipped are vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer. It's also shipped in dry ice to ensure complete freshness upon arrival at whoever the final destination is. All meats processed in their on-site USDA-inspected facility. 
On-site meat markets for fresh and smoked products. If you want custom orders, give them a call. They're ready to go. They got two restaurants for you to try out if you're in the area. Elgin, Texas, since 1882, and Bastrop, Texas, since 2014. Grocery distribution through Texas and many surrounding states as well. And here's the kicker. All you podcast listeners, take note, 10% off your order for online purchases. That's right, 10% off if you use coupon code BBQ Central, all one word, BBQ Central at checkout. Get you 10% off your coup uh, get you 10% off your order online. Where's online? Southsidemarket.com. Code BBQ Central. Check it out. Try that beef sausage. It's so good. All right, we're back to wrap the first hour quickly. Stick around, we'll be right back. Hi, this is Bobby Rempke from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. Quickly, we are running away. That was Mike McLeod. We'll recap a little bit of that here as we come up. Turning to the second hour, you're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show Boing. we cook because we have to and we grill because we want to hit me fine how's it going you have a great show i'm a big fan Boing. so what 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 seems to be the problem here this man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet for wiener. Delicious Liberty's chick feet. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Hello. That's right. You have found the Barbecue Central show. This here show takes place on every Tuesday evening between 21 and 2300 hour Eastern. I believe that's 26 to oh, I'm not even going to. You know what? Forget it. I'm right. Let's go 21 to 2300 and leave it at that. I was going to go Zulu time, but I can't do the math. John Dawson weighing in via email. Subject line, Bo? Body apparently Bo knows food. Who know? I know. Who knew? Who know? Bo knows food. Who knew? I don't know. Not me. I did read on the World Food Championships website that they brought on Bo as a guest or a judge. And then I had also seen in my doing due diligence that they were sponsoring a burger portion or were going to be the burger sponsors moving forward. I'm, I'm not sure if Bubba Burger is out of that or if they were even part of it. I thought I remember seeing Bubba Burger somewhere. Maybe it was KCBS. But Bo is, or Bo's Burger, 
is going to be the burger sponsor. At least, uh, I don't know if it's just for final table, maybe for World Food Championships, but I saw that theirs, and I was like, hmm, Bo's Burgers are... Or Bo's sponsoring for burgers. He's a judge on the table. What are the chances? But evidently, he's got multi-million dollar food brands going out, which of course ends up begging the question, does Bo end up being a better food person in the end when the career's over, or is he a better sport athlete? Is sport athlete redundant? I think so. Maybe not. Is he a better athlete or better foodman? Yet to be determined, I guess. I thought it was funny that Mike McLeod found it necessary to give Bo a reintroduction into society. (laughs) You remember Bo from Auburn, two-sport athlete, played for the Rolls. How about them Rolls? Hey, bub, how about them Rolls? Played for the Raiders. Who's Bo Jackson? Never heard of him. (laughs) He's only the greatest athlete ever. Ever. Barring those bad hips. That's what happens when you're world class in both baseball. I think he was a real high level track too, wasn't he? And uh, so when you're high level baseball and football. And by the way, back then, football was really dangerous for your health. You're one of the best athletes ever. He was all-star in both. Remember the time when he was chasing down the ball in Kansas City and he ended up going NASCAR bank turn on the left field fence? Was that center field fence? That was awesome. Caught it and hosed that dude from third. He was really one of the best athletes ever, I think. Your thoughts? If you disagree with me, you're wrong. He was great. Do we have the argument? Is Deion Sanders or Bo Jackson the better athlete? I don't think so. I think Deion Sanders is the second best athlete. Because he was a really good football player. I think Bo Jackson, if he was on defense, would be looking to tackle Meanwhile, Deion Sanders talking about, get me out of here. You ever see that guy wrap up on anybody? Never. You never saw him wrap up. He was always diving with his right shoulder, leading and missing. He was a pretty good baseball player now. All right, still to come on this show, Sam Hayes from Sam's Northwest Barbecue Company. Got a lot of reaction, uh, not only on the Booze Teen video from last week, but got a lot of reaction on the rant about NBBQA from last week. Let me see if I can go back here. Uh, Let's see. Shirt contest. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Trying to find some emails here. Well. Ah, here we go. From Eric. One last note. I've listened to other barbecue podcasts. The Barbecue Central Show, hands down the best. You got screwed at NBBQA. Thank you, Eric. Here's Zach. 
Great show, Greg. Totally robbed at the awards. Been talking to a buddy of mine about that since it was mentioned during your post-conference show. Crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Vinny. I thought you got robbed on the NBBQA awards. Thank you. I just had one that just came in. From Phil. Nope. Where'd it go? Uh, From Jeremy. Jeremy Sherman. Hey, Greg. Great rant on NBBQA. Totally agree. You got hosed. Thank you for agreeing with me. I did get hosed. But you can go back and listen to that or subscribe to podcast. I sectioned it out all on its own and released it on Easter Sunday for your listening and joining. All right, so if you're a podcast listener, you're going to be getting this. And a number of you have given me feedback already. Again, if uh, as I said at the top of the show, if you're a live listener, this isn't affecting you at all. You're getting the straight 120-minute dump as you would normally. But last week and then the week before that, I started to break up shows on the podcast. So two weeks ago, it was the first hour on Wednesday, the second hour on Thursday. Last week, it was the first hour, and then I broke up the embedded correspondence segment, which I guess in hindsight to keep continuity was kind of a a bad idea to do that. But in this show, I figure you have, like in this show tonight, you you could have a separate segment with Ray, you have a separate segment with Mike, then we can have a separate segment with Sam, and then the last segment this evening is open, I have some t-shirts we can look to give away or rubs and sauces or a combination of all that stuff. I also have uh, another one of these that I could give away and sign it for you if you want. Wait, let me check, make sure it didn't get signed. Can't give that away if it got signed, right? Hold on. Uh, Is there a signing page? I know there is because I signed Doug Durtis. Hmm. Okay. This must be the sign. So here's the, it's the hardcore carnivore book. So I have an extra copy here. So we might win that. I also have a giveaway copy of Stephen Reichland's new book, Project Fire. I can sign that for you if you want. So that's going to be happening in the last segment this evening. But. I'm trying to find the best consumability from a podcast standpoint. So I've been doing a lot of research and talking with top men and women in the industry about where a podcast needs to be to not get fatigue. And there's been a good portion of you that said, hey, keep the 120 dump. I just hit pause and go about my day when I need to turn off the show. And then I can just hit unpause. It picks right up where it left off and away you go. And then there's been a percentage growing percentage of people that say, hey, the 25 to 30 minute dumps every day are are good. They're consumable. I'm listening more. Then there's a percentage that say, cut it up and dump it over the days following the show or dump them all at once and leave them in bites or, or whatever. And then, of course, there are the percentage of people that say, hey, I listen to it because I have a kind of a, a deep commute. So I don't even mind the two hours, and if it went longer than that, okay, no problem. 
Those are the smaller percentage. So I'm trying to find the happy medium, if you will. And it seems to be that 25 to 35 minute mark gets most consumed. And I'm looking at a bunch of statistical data that shows me percentage of the time consumed and where people might drop off over the course of a show. I'm having access to insights that I've never had before that I'm not sharing with anybody. But that's what's happening. So if you are a podcast and you're wondering how come the show isn't just getting dumped in your lap like it has the last 10 years, just trying out something new. Give me your feedback, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Let me know if the dumps are bringing value. The shorter dumps are bringing value over the course of the week. And don't forget, every Friday, you get the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. Brought to you by John Solberg. He's the producer there. So you could have like three and four and five days of stuff aside from the Tuesday show. We're just trying to find the right mix. We, me. You know who else is trying to find the right mix? The longest-running sponsor of the show, the Barbecue Guru. That's right. They have always believed that outdoor cooking should be easy because it can be, especially with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. The Monolith is the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. That means smarter control, greater freedom with automatic temperature control devices. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature. Let the Monolith do the work of a sous chef or a barbecue pit master. With minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill, and you can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. So again, if you don't understand, there's a power draft fan in the ceramic cooker. You don't have to put the little adapter on the bottom vent anymore, then hook the fan in there, and then run your pit probe in there, put your controller on, none of that. That fan is already built into the cooker. If you already have a Guru Temperature Controller controller, hook it right up to the fan. You're ready to go. Boom. Comes with all these great accessories that you have to get extra otherwise. And if you're following the Barbecue Guru recently, you know that Bob has had kind of an epiphany and a brainchild, if you will, with the rib ring. They're selling out very quickly. I think he said he was going to be out of stock here in the next week. Got some lead time before the next round comes in. It'll be on around May 1st, I think. But you can get up to five or six racks of St. Louis-style spare ribs in these rib racks. They go right on your ceramic-style cookers. I'm going to try mine out in the Lang. Here's the website, bbqguru.com. That's bbqguru.com. Or call them 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Boom, boom. Here we go. All right, Sam Hayes coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue Bible, 
bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Championship pitmasters are winning with Smithfield. You can, too. Commit to cooking with Smithfield. In 2018, you receive smoke and swag just for participating. Few requirements. Pay a small shipping fee of 25 bucks. Be a member of one of the sport's major sanctioning bodies. Be sure to come back, track your first place finishes in pork and ribs to win great prizes through the Walking with Smithfield Incentive Program. Once a Smithfield committed cook, show your Smithfield pride by hashtagging Show us your Smithfield on Facebook and on Insta. So if you cook any pork tenderloin or ribs or pork, shoulders or whatever, hashtag it. Put it up there. Hashtag show us your Smithfield. Then put on another hashtag and be all witty about it. But make sure you hashtag show us your Smithfield. Also hashtag smoking with Smithfield. The, the website is, of course, smokingwithsmithfield.com. So do that, and you'll be very happy that you get really cool swag. Hey, maybe you're a big fan of the show. You hear about products or cookers, and you wish you could see it in person. Or, better yet, see it run and taste the food it puts out. In a lot of cases, your best bet ends up being YouTube. But in a few select places, you have a store you can go to like my next guest runs. Let's go ahead and race to the hotline and welcome the owner of Sam's Northwest Barbecue Company. Sam Hayes joining me here on the show. Sam, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Greg? Absolutely fabulous, Sam. Appreciate you making time here for the show this evening. As I had mentioned in the open, I mean, I've been a big fan and follower of yours probably for seven, eight, nine years. Seems like as long as the live show has been around, I've been kind of following your progress and seeing what you're doing out there in the great Pacific Northwest. So before we get into the store and stuff, uh, maybe just a little background about you. Are you somebody that's always been in the live fire barbecue grilling industry? Did you do engineering? Like, how do you, how do you get going? Now, you know, I, I always, always love cooking outdoors. Like everybody else listening to this, it brings everybody together. And it's something my folks, uh, made a big part of our life growing up. And so enthused about it growing up, uh, got into it as much as I could myself. Um, my background isn't really from the food part, you know, I grew up here in Oregon. My dad was a state policeman, moved around the state, uh, went to college. I worked in law enforcement myself for a while, realized that wasn't something I wanted to do for life, and uh, became a barber, of all things. Mm. And within that barber shop, uh, years into it, I decided I uh, wanted to get a, uh, a nice offset wood pit smoker, and you don't find them built out here in Oregon. So as research, I spent a couple of years research, searching that, you know, in the barbershop, and I had some time. But um, And then when it came down to it, instead of buying one, I bought half a semi-truck, <laughs> and that was where the, the business originated. Uh, my wife allowed me to buy a cargo trailer, so I'd have something to move them. And one was for me, and the rest I needed to sell. And about at the end, she says, uh, you're getting ready to make your second order. And up until that point, I didn't know if she'd let me do it any longer. So that's kind of... Kind of where uh, that all started. When was that again? Oh, uh, actually, today, we, we opened up in April of 2008. So today was actually the first day of the start of my 11th year with the business. Wow. And this is one that you just started from the ground up. Uh, again, not something that you bought from somebody or that was already existing. You started right from the ground. I started from scratch. I had yep. zero game plan. I thought it'd be something fun to do. 
my son was about three at the time and thought it was something that we could all do together. And I, my barbershop was probably all about seven, 800 square feet. I had a few cookers over in the side, had some rubs and sauces on the shelf and my, my garage at home was filled. And so, uh, basically what happened those first few years is, is everything, uh, I was delivering grills seven nights a week and everything was put back into increasing my inventory and paying taxes. So mm-hmm. for four years, uh, I didn't get a dime out of it. And, and, uh, we had some challenges along the way. There's a, those were long days after being on your feet all day in the barber shop. And I was a busy barber. Um, so you give 30 haircuts a day and then you go out and deliver barbecues in the evening and, and get back and, uh, so that's how it all kind of started. And then um, I had a neck injury that plagued me, and uh, my folks kind of helped out, and I got got a surgery on that, got that taken care of, and the barbecue business was taking uh, presence over the the barber shop. And I do recall one time uh, a guy's in the chair. He just sat down. I put the cape around him. It was just an old traditional barber shop like your grandfather would go to. And... Uh, a customer walks in, and the look on his face was that of surprise because he thought he was, he'd come down from Seattle, and he knew he was coming down to Sam's Northwest Barbecue Company. And <laughs> he walks in to do the store, and I told the guy, the, the barbershop customer, I said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but, but uh, barbecues take, take over here. And uh, he goes, yeah, that's what I heard. And so he waited while I sold a grill, and then we got back to him about <laughs> 25 minutes later. Is there a is there a decent living in 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 barbering in two thousand and eight or, or, you know if if you if you stand there and you you cut from the minute you open until the minute you close, yeah, um, a guy can make a decent living, but uh, it's just hard on you. And I got in a car wreck in barber college, uh, about three months into it, and huh. the school cost about twelve grand and. I was kind of hard-headed. I thought, well, if I'm going to have to spend twelve grand any, I'm going to finish it. And then I didn't really get properly diagnosed. So I spent 15 years standing there hurting, and oh. I was numb, and every day was painful. So it's funny, the barbecue uh, store, the only reason I called it Sam's Northwest Barbecue Company is because it was Sam's Barbershop. And so I'd pick up the phone, and I'd say, you know, hi, this is Sam. How can I help you? So I used to drop <laughs> ship barbecues across the United States. and. Wow. And so if it was a barbershop customer, they weren't confused. And if it was a barber, barbecue uh, customer, they, they weren't either. So it was kind of funny as people would show up, you know, because they would travel from all over to pick up grills, and <laughs> and uh, they thought they were in the wrong place. And actually the, the sign I had out front, the it said Sam's, and it said Northwest Barbecue Company and Barbershop, but it showed a smoker, and the, the smokestack was a barber pole. And... Uh, <laughs> So it's kind of unique, not your typical uh, start a business. How did you get model? How did you get word of mouth and and advertising out there to get the barbecue business going? You know, Craigslist was huge. Um, I was I was uh, on there every day, constantly in other wow. regions around the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, and you would get folks who carried other product lines that were would block you and click you off there. And so I spent hours and hours every day on that. And I got to say that that was really big from the get-go. Really? And and then my ability and, and willingness to deliver grills, spend as much time as it took to make it successful. And, you know, I incorporated uh, new new lines. Uh, and I just kind of started the following. And, and uh, I think it was just 
if I said I was going to do something, you could count on me being there. Sam Hayes joining me here on the show. The website, samsnwbbqco.com, samsnorthwestbarbecuecompany.com. So how does the store look now as you compare it to what it looked like when you had originally opened it? I mean, aside from obviously you don't have a few cookers in the corner anymore, but how much of a change have you seen? Well, there's no barber chair anymore. Not even just for an aesthetic purpose? No, it, it's at home, and I, I give my son Jacob a haircut, and nice. I actually stand there and cut my own hair still, but uh, and my dad on occasion. But uh, what I did do is about six years ago, uh, shut down the barber shop. I moved a little closer to the town I live in, and I, I picked a this kind of a light industrial spot. Opened up my store there. About two years later, I took over a building that was right beside it, and. Two years after that, I moved into where I'm at now, which was two years ago. So it's been six years outside of the barbershop. And, I, you know, so I went from a 600-square-foot barbershop to I have about 5,000 square feet now. And I've just outgrown it. I've My biggest problem now is space. And so I'm going to stay in this area, but I'm looking for about a ten to 14,000-square-foot building to to keep this thing growing. When you start to really expand and look to bring on other product lines, I think you could probably easily fall into a, a mindset of, well, there's probably not a lot out there, but once you really start looking at everything that's available in the barbecue and grilling market, you quickly realize there's a lot of stuff out there. So how do you go about figuring the relationships that you want to make? And not only that, but the stuff you're actually going to sit there in inventory, because Aside from maybe working out a great consignment deal, which is probably few and far between, or some really good terms, this is the stuff that you're going to have to shuck out for and then hope you can turn around. No, you're right. That's been the balancing act. And, and you know, I brought in a few product lines that did not work out. And whether it was something I thought would work or I was given some advice. And, you know, if a product line doesn't work, what I've done is I, I figure my best thing is to clearance it out. I'm not worried about losing a little cash, but I can't support a product that I don't feel right about. And, and anybody that's ever bought those items, um, they've known that I was going to discontinue it and why, and they'd still look at you and say, it's mine, you know, <laughs> they're getting a good deal. And But I've, I'm not your average retailer. Um, I don't have a line of credit or I don't owe the bank anything. I I have a enormous amount of product here and i gotta imagine it's probably the most wide variety of product you're going to find under one roof or in one brick and mortar store anywhere um i carry about 15 different lines of product uh it that took some time obviously to choose what works and what doesn't i mean i started off with just wood pits um and then as i got you know had some relationships with other barbecue manufacturers such as Yoder Smokers who, you know, that was the first time where all of a sudden it's somebody that makes wood pits and pellet grills. Mm-hmm. And ironically, you know, at that time, uh, Yoder Smokers produced about 90% wood pits and 10% pellet grills. And now for them, those numbers have completely changed. And uh, I wasn't the biggest pellet grill fan to come to come into this to begin with, <laughs> but the need was there. You know, I grew up in where I'm at right now. Uh, Traeger started about 45 minutes from where I'm at. Yep. And so this area, I remember when I talked to Don Carey at Yoder Smokers, he said Oregon was the, was the only 
well, he, he was thrilled about having me want to come on board, but he said it's the only state that he didn't have to explain pellet grills to the <laughs> yeah, right. consumers that were inquiring. But as far as my inventory, um, the, it's like I said earlier, everything was put into inventory and uh, and paying taxes and, and trying to do what, what we could. Um, my wife sustained us quite a while there. But uh, as the business grew, I guess the great thing about that, I mean, I know a lot of businesses, the way they grow is by borrowing money and, and then owing money. And Ugh. and uh, I sleep great knowing that if I don't sell anything <laughs> tomorrow, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I own it all in here. And uh, I carry great products, and I carry products from manufacturers that that support it. And um, it's just it's a unique store, and and I have fun, and I think the people that come in here do as well. Sam, probably having you go over all of the product lines you carry might be a, a little long in the tooth. But do you have popular lines that you're seeing that you've brought in, whether they're the ones that have been tried and true over the years, or new ones that you've brought in recently that have really taken off? Well, you know, Yoder Smokers, we've been a Yoder Smokers store. Um, we had a great relationship from day one, and uh, I just got to give them a little shout-out because, you know, the owner, Don Carey, and and the, the day-to-day operations manager, Joe Phillips, as far as being uh, a dealer and a friend of those folks, it's everything I ever wanted. Um, just followed through everything from day one, but – uh, so that's a huge part of my business, and, and it has been. We just unloaded a full semi truck today. I unloaded one last week from them. So we we bring in a lot of product. But uh, there's 15 different lines, and real quickly, it's just Yoder Smokers, Myron Mix and Smokers is one we just brought in. And mm-hmm. uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Myron and his son David a couple weeks ago, back in the, the HPBA in in Tennessee, and that was an experience, as, as you probably know. Um, Green Mountain Grills, uh, Jason Speck, who I know that you know and yep. spent time with, uh, uh, he, he lives here 45 minutes from me. He designed the Green Mountain Grill along with the owner of the company. And, and so that relationship has been phenomenal because it's a grill that everybody can afford. It's a great cooker. You know, the, the pizza accessory has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got the Faces Barbecues, the cabinet cooker. It's not well, really uh, well known outside this area, but... Uh, if folks would go on online and look at that, Hephaestus Barbecue, uh, that's one of the best-valued barbecues you're going to find for a cabinet cooker. <laughs> and then, of course, we got Memphis uh, Woodfire Grills, Pits and Spits, Meadow Creek, uh, the Amish folks out of Pennsylvania. Brought those in about a year ago, and it's been it's been a great experience. we got the Kamados with Kamado Joe, Primo, Big Green Egg, uh, Golden's Cast Iron Cooker, Pit Barrel Cooker Company. I know um, way back I kind of introduced you i believe to with noah and that product and yeah, yeah. and uh man just awesome people you don't you don't meet people like that all day and then we got weber and saber but um most of all these product lines are they're doing well it, i know it can it can be a little risky as you add more to the lineup um sometimes people come in here and they think they know what they want and it gets a little confusing <laughs> and i get you know there's wives or girlfriends that are embarrassed by the behavior of their husbands and boyfriends because they come in here and their their jaw drops and they've never seen anything like it in here. And I don't mean that in a bregatory way about my store, but it's just you walk in and it's like, wow, I've never seen this in one place. And, and we're just barbecue only. There's no hot tubs. There's no fireplaces. Uh, Golden's Cast Iron Cooker, they make some fire pits. So we brought those in, but it's awesome in here. I'm here right now. I love it. <laughs> so... From a 
customer selling standpoint, if I'm just a, a new guy, maybe kind of a, a rube a little bit, or I'm seeing pit masters on television or whatever, and I'm down the road from you and I walk in, like, what's your approach to pointing people in the right direction? Well, first off, the main thing here at this store, it's the most important thing to me is that I want my customers to have the experience that they want to have from the time they come in here. So we're completely different as far as, you know, nobody's getting sales pressure, but guy comes in, he's, everybody gets greeted. I let them know, Hey, I'm here to help you as much as you want. You want to look around, digest it and soak it all in, have at it, man. And and that guy that doesn't eyeball you and he just wants, you know, he doesn't want to get the high pressure. He usually stops right then and, and he'll come right out and tell you what he's looking for. Yeah, so yeah. I'm trying to figure out what, what source of fuel they want. Do they want pellets? You know, do they know that they're going to need to plug that in some kind of uh, outlet? Um, do they want to cook with wood? Do they, you know, do they want charcoal? Do they, are they looking for gas? We don't carry a whole lot of gas, just Sabre here and, and the Weber products. But um, I'm trying to figure out their fuel source. And sometimes they don't know. And I like to let them know the different kind of the things that are involved in that. Maybe the cost involved, the time commitment. Um, so kind of go from there. And, and I'm happy to take them from, from the left part of the store to the right. But sometimes they, they don't know what they want, but, but by asking a few of those questions, we can get down to it a little bit, a little bit quicker. And then, and then usually I have several product lines of what they're looking or are in that category. Do you try and establish a budget up front so you have an idea of where to start them as well, or do you really not try to get into that right off the bat? You know, I, I I stay away from it. Um, I found all those years in the barbershop was probably the greatest ex- experience that I could have that's made this a success is listening to people. Um, I, I wasn't the barber that talked a lot. Um, I know I talk a lot in the store, and I've probably been talking a lot since you've been on here, but but um, I was the guy that listened, and I, it, it helped as far as uh, seeing what makes people tick, this and that, I, you may be reading them a little bit, but I'm, I'm never trying to upgrade somebody. But the guy that comes in in the beater car and he's got holes in his in his uh, knees and all that, uh, he might be looking for that Memphis Elite $5,000 yeah. pellet grill. So I'm not trying to judge him that way at all. Um, sometimes people want a product that just isn't going to going to fit for their the time that they have allowed. So I want people to purchase a product that's going to work in their lifestyle and they're going to use it and buying it and taking it home and not using it. That's just going to leave a bad taste about my store. And, and in here, you know, as far as no sales pressure, um, I realize that everybody comes in here, if nothing else, when they leave, they're going to think, by God, that was a pretty cool store I just went to. And eventually they're going to have a, a friend or coworker who uh, is going to be looking for a grill and, you know, people come in and they're just killing time sometimes. And, uh, again, kind of like the old barbershop, there's a, there's a lot of conversation here. My, my dad comes in and helps out most every day. And, uh, I got several friends that come in and, and help out a little bit just cause they want to get out of the house and come down. It's a, it's a cool <laughs> environment. To, and, uh, but, but as far as trying to read people and set them up, I'm just trying to figure out, uh, really what's going to fit in their lifestyle. Sam Hayes joining me here on the show. Sam, can I hold you over for another segment? We get to a couple other questions here before I let you go. Absolutely. All right. We're talking with Sam Hayes from Sam's Northwest Barbecue Company. Again, the website here, if you want to check it out, samsnwbbqco.com. All right. I want to talk to you quickly about Cook Shack. 
They make smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you barbecue in the backyard, in the competition circuit, in a five-star dining facility. Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job, and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cook Shack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion at Fast Eddie Morin. The FEC 100, PG 1000, always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can actually double as a smoker and a grill. Slow and low, hot and fast, pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Now, maybe pellet-fired cookers aren't your deal. Okay, how about electric smokers? Good news, Cook Shack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can make in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being the top priority. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call the number 800-423-0698 or visit the website cookshack.com. That's cookshack.com. All right, we're back. More with Sam Hayes. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content. In an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to the Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. Your choice. If you have Alexa or Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because the Fireboard fully integrated with both and learning new skills constantly. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com. That's F-I-R-E board, B-O-A-R-D, fireboard.com, or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. All right, we're talking with Sam Hayes from Sam's Northwest Barbecue Company. Sam, when we talk about support from the dealers, when you're bringing in a line, obviously, especially if it's somebody you haven't dealt with or maybe – for whatever reason, you're not getting a lot of feedback from other people that might not be currently carrying the line. What are you asking from a retailer side in regards to support? And what if I have a warranty issue and all of those things? Well, that means everything to us here. You know, I I expect that these manufacturers are going to take care of the customer. So that's generally one of the biggest discussions before we ever start talking about pricing or any of that. And, you know, some of them talk a better game than others. I I know that, you know, as I first got going, it was hard maybe to take a guy selling barbecues out of a barbershop uh, too serious. So there was a few <laughs> manufacturers I, I called, uh, and, you know, they were going to stop by, and somehow they never stopped in the, in the store. So I don't think they took me too serious. But um, <clears throat> the longer I've done this, the, the more – I guess better equipped I am at asking the right questions and figuring out and just trying to get a feel for the people. I mean, I remember when I brought in uh, Memphis grills a few years back to, it was late in December. And the, the guy that was the general manager at the time, he says uh, he was in Minnesota and he says, uh, you know, Hey, I'll, I'll fly out the first week of April or of January. Well, he calls me on a, on a Tuesday about three weeks later. He says, Hey, do you mind if I come out, you know, on Thursday and, 
you know, that's not how I'm able to fly as far as last minute like that. But those companies that have came in and shown like that, and I don't need that uh, for my ego or anything, but it's your, it's your great, the the fellow, one of the owners of Golden Cast Iron Cooker out in Georgia, he's been here twice and I've only carried the product, oh, maybe 14 months or so. Um, The Green Mountain Grill guy, like I said, Jason Speck, he's, He's here on a regular basis. I'm also close to him, but I, I got a relationship with most of these manufacturers to where what I think is beneficial is, is I have this great understanding with them. I don't take advantage of it. I don't call these people on a daily basis just to gab or to keep in touch. So when I do get a hold of them, they know that there's probably a reason, and they do take my calls, and we, we do get things sorted out. Uh, Yoder Smokers, um, again, I think one of the best product out there and probably one of the greatest barbecue stories out there is uh we opened up a box on saturday a part was missing i let them know on monday they one dated it got here today um that cost them they they spent more for the one night over to get it here than they did on the part but it's just and that's a company i've been doing business with a long time but they would have done that for a new dealer as well and but I expect them to take care of the customer. I'm more worried about that than even me, but um, I got to have product. And there's been some some manufacturers that at times, uh, you know, have had a hard time keeping up with that. Mm. Uh, possibly too many dealers. Um, things happen in their economy. Like you know, April, May, and June. These these are my three busiest months. Um, I'm stocked to the gills here with inventory. I, I want to beat the system. If I wait, it's too late. Yep. And if they can't get me product, so that's the most important thing to me is that they can get me product. They're going to take care of my needs, and they're going to take care of the customer um, because I'm the first guy that a customer's calling when the grill's wrong. Even though they got the warranty through the manufacturer, they call, and if I'm not here, you know, for clothes, they leave a message, and they always tell you the dollar amount. So that's the funny thing. It's never just, hey, I bought a such and such, and it broke down. It's, I bought a such and such, and I paid. And there's, you know, sometimes a, a few expletives that get left there, too. But, yeah. but you know, sometimes you got to call a customer, and you, you walk them off the bridge and say, hey, we're, we're going to get you taken care of. You know, the, the last thing you got to worry about is that that manufacturer is not going to. Um, you contact them. If that doesn't work, call me. I, I generally have the contacts for, for the people at the higher levels, and I don't abuse it, like I said. But, but, uh, but that's that's key to the whole thing. So, if I'm buying from you, what's your process in regards to training, and do you kind of gauge where people are at through the buying process, where they seem to be more uh, intermediate or expert level, so you don't really have to go on and on about it, or do you treat everybody the same way? And then when they have an issue, um, do you tell them, hey, contact the manufacturer first before you contact me, or do you kind of fall on the sword regardless of yeah. you know the fault? You know, I, I think I think that's why manufacturers like me in my store is that I'm doing everything I can first. If I can head it off here, why waste their time at all? Um, I found that the majority of uh of issues and you know so let's say a wood pit obviously it's learning airflow there's so many other things but if if folks would if they buy a wood pit and they're brand new to it some of the best things you could do is buy you know don't worry about bullgarden your cooking wood learn learn some airflow do some cooking uh or, or firing up that cooker and learn some temperature control and a lot of times that's the biggest thing right there 
with pellet grills, there's so many things that can and will go wrong at some point. If somebody comes in here and buys a pellet grill and thinks that they're not going to have to swap something out at some point. That's mm. that's insane. And, and I, I like to let that guy know that, especially when he's buying it. He's just been used to turning his gas grill on and off until it quits working, and then he goes and buys a new one. But um, I encourage him to let me know. I Sometimes they call me and they're surprised that, that it's an issue that, that the manufacturer is going to uh, have to send them that part or or whatnot. But if I can take care of it here, um, I do everything I can. I let them know I'm here on their side. And if they're not getting the response that they want uh, from the manufacturer, by all means, let me know. And um, it's a case-by-case thing as far as uh, people and how they react when there is an issue. But that's why they come back, and that's why they tell people. And um, I'm not going to run from it, uh, even if a, a manufacturer is, isn't going to take care of it. But I don't do business with those manufacturers, and uh, been pretty lucky in that regard. But um, somebody buys a product. I'm with pellet grills. You get a guy that's cooked with a certain line for years and years and years. They get a new one, and several of these operate different. The, the startup, the instructions. You know, the lid opens, the lid down when you start it. So you'll get the guy that, hey, I've been doing this. I know it. And I'm mm-hmm. saying, well, okay, it's fine. But listen. You know, I do let them know that hey, there's a little difference on on that particular one you bought, and and if, when you once you have an issue, um, you give me a holler, and um, I'll find it with the wood pit folks who are buying the cheap offset smoker at the box store with the nuts and bolts, you know, no good solid seams and no quarter inch thick plate. Um, it's a whole different learning curve to yeah. them, and and they'll come back, and I, even when they know it all, I let them know. I says, hey, I, that sounds great, and you know. You're going to have an awesome time, but if you ever need any help, you let me know. And I do as good a job as I can getting back to emails and phone calls. And and uh, but we're we're all about support here. Sam Hayes joining me here on the show. Sam's nwbbqco.com. That's the website, by the way. Sam's Northwest Barbecue Company. And from a uh, sales standpoint, Sam, are you mostly selling through the store, or do you have a pretty decent online presence as well? You know, it's it's 100% store. We don't have any grocery card or any purchase there. You know, the the irony is that when I when I stopped the, when I closed the barber shop and just went solely barbecue at a new location, um, I still from a distance when with a few manufacturers I was drop shipping. I still only took check, and it would take, you know, I look back at now and I think how crazy it is to think that somebody, I've sold a guy living in Florida, a wood pit, who's never cooked on a wood pit from a company he's never heard of. Now he sends me a check, and we got to wait till it clears until I tell the manufacturer, okay, now it's time to send him his pit. Wow. And it was just the way, I kind of think that if my if I would have had a plan, there's no way in the world this thing would have worked out. But, um, and if I would have had, a, you know, any different wife uh, than I have, and, and my son Jacob and my folks, but uh, it's been a been a good run. Do you have all the pits out, like, operating at any given point, or do you have, you know, this week we're going to fire up a wood pit, and this week we're going to file up this kind of wood pellet pit, and this way people that are interested or have been on the fence can come out and see one operating and get an idea how it would work? You know, every day there's at least six different types of barbecues out in front of the store. Mm. When the weather's nice, you know, here in Oregon we get six, seven months of rain. But when it's nice, um, there's times we got five or six of them fired up. Uh, we've got trailer units. They're out here parked where people driving by can see them. Um, 
but yeah, we're just this past Saturday, uh, a customer wanted to see one fired up and he wanted to just go out and turn it on. And I said, no, no, let, give us a second. And I went and grabbed the shop back and a friend of mine was down here and I was getting ready to load a grill. And I said, Hey, vacuum that out. Uh, I don't want to, you know, if it hadn't been vacuumed out, I don't want it to have any issues. So, yeah. Uh, I let the customer stand there, and he played with the temperature for a half hour, him and his wife, and he purchased the grill. And so I, you know, hey, you want to bring some uh, – well, it's one funny memory is uh, a guy made a big deal about bringing some meat down to cook. <laughs> so he comes down, and he's got her on there, and he's got 15 probes inside the cooker, and he's out there for two hours, and I was busy. And I walked out there, and – and uh, I said, well, what do you got going? And he had wiener wraps on there, you know. He had his, he had his, uh, his wife and daughter, they dropped him off and were coming back. And he was embarrassed that I came out there to see what he was cooking. But of all, of all items to test out a cooker, he, I said, man, you take your wiener wraps serious. <laughs> but, uh, we'll fire up whatever they want. You can find them at Sam's Northwest Barbecue Company in, what's, is it Sherwood, Oregon? Sherwood, yeah, we're yeah, just yeah. just uh, 14 miles southwest of Portland, Oregon. All right. So if you are interested in seeing uh, probably one of the biggest uh, barbecue and grilling stores out there in the face of America right now, you head up to the Pacific Northwest, check Sam out. Sam, really appreciate you uh, hanging through an extra segment with me and uh, dropping in here tonight and letting us in on your story. Thanks so much. No, it's a pleasure, Greg. I've, I've listened to you, I think, since you started, and and we've uh, sent a few emails with the with the pain and suffering of being Cleveland Brown fans. And it's uh, oh, brutal. I keep eating that sandwich, buddy, every year. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, from what I understand, this is going to be a great year. So uh, I'm calling yeah. for about two wins, which would be two more than uh, you know the last oh. year and the year before that. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right, it's been a pleasure, Greg. We'll do All right, it again. Take Thank care, you. Sam. There he is, Sam Hayes. Oh. Suffering Cleveland Browns fan, by the way, no doubt about it. Yeah. All guests We're appear all via suffering. the Traeger Grills hotline. Yeah, man. Oh man, we are a suffering bunch, no doubt about it. Um, great to catch up with him finally and learn about his business. And you know, rarely do I get to go into an in-depth conversation with somebody that's retailing. You know, you get a guy that's doing a barbecue and rub shop or might carry one line of grill, but he's got 15 different lines and probably a, even way more accessories and all that stuff. So good to dig into the nuts and bolts and see what kind of a support that uh, a Sam is expecting from his dealers and or from his manufacturers and he said if he's not going if they're not going to be there for support then this relationship is going to be fairly short lived but then also what from a purchaser's standpoint what's the expectation there if i buy a grill or a cooker from Sam and it doesn't work does he tell me hey you should call the manufacturer first or does he try and fall on that sword and fix that problem because inevitably, I mean, if you're dealing with 15 different product lines, I would have to imagine that over a period of time, you become very adept at figuring out what those most common issues and hot buttons are when it comes to repair or breakdown. You're probably stocking parts to say, hey, just stop up by the store, throw this in, or I'll stop by, depending on where he is. Of course, I'm talking for Sam like I would know what he does, but it sounds like he's pretty customer service oriented. And say, or, 
hey, bring it on by. I'll slap in this new brain or put in these new parts or whatever. With wood-fired cookers, there's really no moving parts aside from the doors that open up into the firebox and into the main cooking chamber. you got a damper on a chimney, damper on the firebox somewhere. I mean, that's pretty much it. Those really don't typically break. But like he said, and that's why I asked the question, it would seem like good marketing if you are taking copious notes in a color-coded notebook and saying, here's a group of people that I've talked to over the past month that are interested in wood-fired cookers. Let's have a class on how to build a fire and generate a little interest there, and maybe you can make some sales. He's all over it. Sam Hayes from Sam's Northwest Barbecue Company. Hope you enjoyed that. He carries this line of grills, by the way, that I'm about to talk about. Green Mountain Grills, Jason Baker and the gang out there. So three different models to choose from when it comes to the cookers, right? You have the Jim Bowie, which is the big one. You have the Daniel Boone, which is medium size. You have Davy Crockett, which is that tailgate size or that portable size. And the good thing about the Davy Crockett, as I tell you each and every week, you're not sacrificing capacity for portability. Certainly, in some regard, you are, right? Because the other two live on your patio. This one can hang out on your patio with the other two. But then you can toss it in the truck, the van, the SUV, and pretty much take it wherever you want to go. But you can fit two, three racks of ribs on there, a couple pork butts, probably a medium-sized brisket. If you don't have power... Readily available via the plug. You can go ahead and use the 12-volt adapter. You can do that. No problem. And again, all wood pellet fire. Green Mountain Grills has the pellets that you can use to fire those cookers as well if you don't want to use cooking pellets. And then, oh baby, Sam just talked about one of the hot-selling items from an accessory standpoint in the Green Mountain Grills, that pizza oven. I did pizza this past weekend on Sunday, I believe it was. Maybe it was Saturday. We rifled through, I got three, two, four, and six different pizzas. I go to Aleshi's Italian Market. I buy the pre-portioned homemade pizza balls, pizza dough balls for 89 cents a piece. Cut them in half. So basically for one ball, I'm getting two pizzas. And they're decent-sized pizzas, by the way. As big as you're going to find in any Neapolitan-style store. It's like 150 bucks or less. I mean, if you have the Jim Bowie and the Daniel Boone, you got to get the pizza oven insert. I'm not even kidding. Go to GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And you will be so happy. Buy all three. Thank me later. All right. We're back for you to maybe win something. Stick around. We'll be right back. stuff away people give us stuff on the show to give away no money for you that's why it's free send an email on its way when i tell you to that's why we give stuff away hey it's back the giveaway segment If you want to win, what? What? A brand new Barbecue Central Show t-shirt. Hot off the presses. The gray one. The real nice one. 
sizes in extra large, double extra large, triple extra large, and quadruple. All you have to do is be the first one to send me an email in the subject line, Sam's Northwest Gold. Don't abbreviate it, lazy. Sam's Northwest Gold. First one in gets a brand new, dare I say, freshly minted Barbecue Central Show t-shirt. Good luck. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best Triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today. Craig Rimpy. Hey, welcome back. Waiting for that winner of a freshly minted. Oh, here they come. Sam's Northwest Gold winner. Tim Rogers. You did it. Good for you, Tim. You've done it. Sam or uh, Tim was the first one to jump in with Sam's Northwest Gold. Good for you, Tim. Innskeeper, you just missed it. So, Tim Rogers, go ahead and resend me a new. Actually, I'll contact you. See, Tim was good because he didn't put anything in the body of the email. The second guy in put something in the email costing him the championship. Don't do that. Send me the email. All right. That's enough. No, no. Congratulations, Tim. I'll be back to you with getting your shipping address and shirt size and all that other stuff. All right, all the way back in the first hour, we talked with Ray Lampy. Dr. Barbecue is the first Tuesday of the month guest each and every month. Big restaurant update on him, how they're sourcing meat, how they're training staff. He's shooting for a end of second quarter, beginning of third quarter open. If it's all the same to you, I won't hold my breath. And Ray, I'll be looking for the soft open invite private jet on the way down kind of a deal i think i think i should get that i'll do a live remote from the show i can do that now right then after ray lampy we talked with mike mcleod the impending world food championships final table takes place april 21st and 22nd bentonville arkansas at brightwater you ever Googled Brightwater? That place is awesome. Check that out. Uh, I am putting all of my $200 on Fred Robles. Let me know what you think. Happy to get your take on who you think is going to win World Food Championships and the $100,000 prize purse. Then in the second hour, it was Sam Hayes from Sam's Northwest Barbecue Company. And congratulations to Tim Rogers again on winning the T-shirt. I will nuggetize these podcasts here over the next hour or so and release them throughout the week. So if you are a podcast listener, pay close attention because I just might piece out another contest where you have to listen to the podcast, answer a question within, and then answer at the back. Only one winner per contest. 
Big show planned for you next week already, so that's great. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.